This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You thirst for some significance of the both dimensional kind. You enter a realm of spirit, of sight and sound and mind. Your radio is a cosmic doorway and your psyche begins to spark. When you tune in to Gary and the Sun, Night dreams after dark.
This is Val Von Torn of Metatron Power and Light. You're listening to Gary Anderson and Night Dreams Talk Radio. Bring on the night with Night Dreams Talk Radio with Gary Anderson. The views, opinions, and representations expressed on the Night Dreams Talk Radio Network and its website are those of the hosts, guests, and participants, and are not necessarily those of or endorsed by the network, its affiliated stations and broadcasts, the management, other hosts, or advertisers of the network. The shows found on the Night Dreams Talk Radio Network can, but do not necessarily, promote any particular lifestyle, belief, religion, political affiliation, or other personal practice. These shows are for entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to treat, diagnose, and or claim any cure of disease or condition, or give any medical or legal advice. Coming to you live, and covering all time zones like a glove. Here's Gary Anderson on Night Dreams Talk Radio. Well, good morning, good afternoon. It's now the 23rd of November, just a couple days away from, well, Turkey Day. And tonight we got a really good couple good guests. Our first guest is Mort. He'll be back telling us some Thanksgiving stories, some scary stories. And then our second guest tonight is Ron Moorhead. And we're going to talk about Bigfoot sounds, Bigfoot and all that. So it's going to be a great show. Well, in Massachusetts, a guy goes in the hospital, in the ER. He's complaining of massive headaches. He's now losing his balance. And after running tests, they have found he has a huge, huge tapeworm in his brain. That is really scary. New technology. Man could maybe travel at 700 miles per hour. All they have to do is invent that new technology. Scientists say there may be more humans all over the universe. Again, all we have to do is get there and find them and shake hands and say, well, hi, we're from planet Earth. A woman tells TikTok she was abducted by aliens and she has a scarring to prove it. I don't know. Maybe she can connect with a time traveler and they can go back in time and get more proof of her scarring if they were from ETs. We'll be right back uh, with our guests, so stay tuned. You're listening to me, Gary, here on Night Dreams Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Charlie Gould of Metatron Power and Light. You're listening to Gary Anderson and Night Dreams Talk Radio. Hi, this is Tom Davis with Metatron Power and Light. Our songs are inspired by our own experiences and the stories of people we've met. We know what we've seen, and we know the truth. We are not alone. What's unusual about Metatron Power and Light as a band is we share the same beliefs. We've all had similar experiences, and together through music, we can explore the kinds of subjects that haven't been presented in exactly this way before. We want everyone to know that what you're going through, we're going through. When you're being told one thing and seeing another, we're here with you. Music brings people together, and together we're strong.
Digital Broadcasting Radio, like it should be. The best in paranormal talk radio, with your host, Gary Anderson. And that is me. Well, James, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about our guest here? Well, our guest tonight goes simply by the name Mort. Now, he narrates a true scary story a YouTube channel that he does four times a week, and it's called Mortis Media. I recommend everybody check that out. Now, if you like really scary stories covering all different aspects of life and what people do, Mortis Media and his scary stories, and he's going to scare us tonight, Gary. I know, just in time for Thanksgiving. And I can tell you, I, I, there's been Thanksgiving uh, that we have had in the past, where you sat there, and, and my wife has cooked the turkey all day. We sit down there with our mashed potatoes with all the trimmings, and then we go to eat it and found out the turkey, as it was thawing out in the refrigerator for about four or five days, was went bad. So we sat there and had mashed potatoes and cranberries and potato salad. And a couple shots of vodka. Anyway, Mort, I just want to thank you so much for coming back on. And how are you doing, my friend? Thank you for having me back, Gary. Uh, all good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm really excited for the... We only have turkey once a year. And I'm just really excited for it this year. Well, you know, I, we don't actually have Thanksgiving over in England, but, uh, you know, I, I hope that you have a really wonderful day and to all the listeners out there, too. Oh, wow. Wow. What do you got in store for us tonight, Mort? Oh, what? before we do that, before we do that, why don't you tell people a little bit about your channel? Oh, for sure. Well, um, hello, everyone. My name is Mort. I run a channel called Mortis Media over on YouTube. Uh, you can... Find me over there narrating a vast selection of true scary stories ranging from the paranormal, the unknown, ghosts, and even horrors that fellow humans have committed that may shake you. Interesting. What do you have in store for us tonight? Well, Gary, thank you for asking. I have a selection of allegedly true scary stories that all happened around Thanksgiving. Let's go for it. Wonderful. Well then, sit back and relax. So this first story was sent to me by an anonymous viewer a few years back. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite Thanksgiving stories, even though it has nothing to do with Turkey. But I'll dive right in. This is from the writer's point of view. I used to work for a very major company that I cannot disclose the name of. To put it into perspective, though, when they moved into the area with their factory and plant, they took up miles upon miles of land for a main massive building and the auxiliary buildings around them and the roads paved just for the new base of operation. They employed thousands of people in the area just to give you some perspective. Anyway, I needed a job at the time, and they hired me for basic security. And I mean basic as an actual term. You see, there were levels of security guards here, and I was just basic. I was essentially a walking security camera that called the more proficient security guards if I ever saw anything remotely strange. 
My shift was from 9.30 p.m. to 7.45. Delicious. At various points, I was sitting in a booth. At other points, I was walking around. This was on Thanksgiving, and I remember being on shift, and after experiencing what I did, I quit and found a new job. So, on to the story. I'm patrolling around the perimeter of one of the main buildings. There are night shift workers inside the plant as it runs 24-7, and I hear them working away as usual, when suddenly my walkie-talkie goes off and someone other than my main shift boss tells me to go check out behind an auxiliary building. Now, I only divert when my shift boss tells me to do so, and it didn't sound like him, so I call back and ask them what's up. My actual boss replies this time, asking me what I'm talking about, and I tell him someone asked me to check the auxiliary building. He said, no one is in my patrol area and has asked me to do that. I'm feeling a bit bamboozled, but I stay and keep patrolling. About an hour goes by and the walkie-talkie flicks to life with the same message coming back to me that I need to go check out the field behind the auxiliary building. Again, I call my boss back and he says the same thing. Apparently, I'm the only one hearing it. Well, eventually, the shift changes. My boss leaves, and there's a small gap in between the shift bosses, so I'm waiting for my new boss to take over. And while that happens, a voice comes back on the channel, telling me one more time to return to the auxiliary building. Just for reference, this building is empty during the night. It's away from the main plant and faces the woods surrounding the land. I ignore it and wait for the new shift manager. But call a few other guards and ask if anyone has seen or heard anything near the building and tell them what I've been hearing. They all deny hearing anything, but one who isn't far from the building agrees to take a closer look. Eventually, he comes back to me and says that there's nothing up. All is clear. I finish my shift and start driving away from the plant, but pass the auxiliary building on my way out. Out of curiosity, I glance over. That is when I see 15 people, at least, standing next to the tree line of the woods behind the building, all wearing red robes from head to toe. I was contracted, and at that moment told my boss I would not continue. I was simply too spooked. Turns out the same guard who checked for me quit shortly after two. I would. <laughs> I would. As would I. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What? Yeah, I wouldn't be there in two seconds after that. No, no, I uh, I don't think anyone else would either. Well, what else? We don't have to go to break to 28 after. What's, what's What next story do you have? Of course. Right then. I think next. Ah, yes. This one's a fun one. It was Thanksgiving. I crawled into my buddy's bed alone at around 2 a.m., after an absolutely fantastic Thanksgiving party and had roughly the greatest 20-minute sleep of my life when I awake to the sound of a constant thumping and cracking noise. Every other second I hear a thump, then silence. I slowly exit his bed and creep across the bedroom. The plan was that only me and him would be staying over And although I found various people nestled on couches, in the bathtub, or just motionless on the floor, nothing was out of place. I couldn't find the source of the constant drumming, until I was in his basement at the ground level, and facing the corner of the room. My hand touched the wall's corner, still hearing constant thumping from the other side. It was coming from inside the wall. I stood back maybe a few inches and just stared. That was when the tip of an axe breaks clean through the wall. I screamed and my friend heard it and rushed down the stairs within seconds. I was frozen in panic against the opposite wall when he blew through the door. He sees the axe wiggling back through the wall, then crashing through again sending splinters across the floor. He grabs a shovel, and we fly out the back door, turning the corner of the house to confront the axe-wielding psycho. What we found was an axe stuck firmly into the side of the house, with no one around. We did a few laps of his house, and found no traces of the mysterious midnight lumberjack. It's the freakiest thing I've ever experienced. The axe lodged on the side of the house, now sits in his basement in a closed footlocker, waiting for its owner to come back and claim it. <laughs> no, yeah. thank you. No. What was that person doing with an axe and trying to come through? I don't know. Maybe they just needed more wood for the fire. Who knows? Maybe their turkey didn't cook enough. Or they were checking to see how good an act they have before it goes dull. (laughs) And what a fantastic way to check indeed. Now it's better than chopping off a head or a hand or something, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. And uh, we might get to that a little bit later. Ooh, yeah. Okay, let's, (laughs) let's go for another one. I got goosebumps already. Brilliant. 
This happened around Thanksgiving when I was seven or eight. It was usually my family for my parents to buy our Christmas presents very early. I was looking for my dad to ask him for something, so naturally I went straight to their bedroom. I have a huge family, eight total, five siblings, myself and my parents. We lived in a small house, and before going into my parents' bedroom, I saw my siblings out in the living room, and also the front yard. My mum was in the kitchen, so I assumed dad was in his bedroom. I walked down the hallway to their room, and the door was wide open. Nothing strange here. But then I heard something rustling around in the closet. Ah, he must be trying to hide the presents, I thought. You see, my parents always hid our Christmas presents in the closet before we set up the tree and decorations. You know, their eagerness to get stuff in advance. <laughs> so, I walked towards the closet, but I still can't see inside. And the rustling noise became a little more intense, as if clothes are being thrown on the ground. So I speak out and say, Dad? But I get no response. I repeat, Hey, Dad? Then, I hear in the most cynical and unfamiliar voice I've ever encountered say, What? It is almost like a demon was trying to talk to you. That's how it sounded. That is the only way I can describe that voice. It scared me out of my mind because I knew that was not what my father sounded like. As you can imagine, as any young boy would, I ran to the front of the house to see my siblings still playing in the living room and outside, my mother still in the kitchen. And at that very moment, my dad walked in from the garage. To this day, I still have no idea who or what responded to me back from my parents' closet. As any good parent should, they went to check to find nothing. Well, you know what? It's a good way to keep kids also from going in the closet and looking for their gifts, isn't it? Oh, I don't think he ever tried that again. <laughs> I don't think so. I wouldn't. No. Uh, I think we have enough time just for another one before the break. For sure. Let me see. Yeah, this one should be good. Not overly long. All right, then. I was driving back to my college from my family's house after Thanksgiving break. I was traveling through a rural area in the Midwest, and suddenly I had the urge to pee. Badly. I was reading all the road signs I came across to see if there was a nearby town that I could stop at to find a gas station or something to use their restroom. Unfortunately, the nearest town was 30-ish miles away, and I had to pee so badly it was unbearable. I finally made the decision to get off at the next exit that I found, even though they don't lead to any towns. Shortly after I pulled off the next exit, I came across a gravel road. I thought this was perfect, because I didn't want to get in trouble for exposing myself in front of anyone. It was a very private road, and for context, I'm a female. It is very difficult, as some of you may know, for us to pee on the side of roads, so I thought the best course of action would be to use my empty McDonald's cup, and then... 
empty the contents, as it were. When I was finished, I dumped the contents and was getting back in my car, ready to turn it round, when I saw a bright red car speeding down the road I was on. It startled me, but they drove right on past. I thought to myself that it must just be the local kids messing around, so I began to drive off, when I saw a dingy, rusted, red pickup truck coming down the road after the car. They, too, drove past me. As they passed, though, I saw two male passengers who were staring straight at me. This freaked me out, but I told myself all the more reason to get a move on. I still keep my eye on the pickup truck, though, and I saw them turning around coming straight at me. This freaked me out so much, I decided the best course of action would be to drive in their direction, continuing on the gravel road as opposed to turning around and giving them the opportunity to chase after me. I drove right by them again and saw that they were grinning at me. I was so scared I hit the gas, which, on a gravel road, doesn't do much good. I finally got a grip on the road and headed along the gravel road. I looked in my rearview mirror, and they were following me again. I was freaked out. My hands were shaking. My foot was flooring the accelerator, and I reached for my phone. Now, I'm not the person to call 911 in just any situation. In fact, I was scared to call 911 because I was afraid. I was just being paranoid. But, as I looked in my rearview mirror again, I saw them gaining on me, and I called the police. When I called the police... The operator picked up, and I explained to her what was happening. During this phone call, the men in the pickup truck were so close that I could see their front tires. I was sliding all around the gravel road, trying to stay on the phone with the operator, who was giving me the directions of the nearest town several miles away. They followed me the entire way there, all the way, until I reached the police station. At that point, I saw them turn around very quickly because they knew I was out of their reach. I definitely learnt my lesson from this, and I think from now on, I'll stick to using public restrooms in future. And maybe not McDonald's cups either. <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask you. Not. I got to ask you a question, Mort. Here, because we Go got a break coming up. How many hours a week do you? read these stories before you broadcast them on your youtube channel well i currently do roughly three hours a week uh but before i was doing six or seven <laughs> but i mean how how much time do you do you pre-read the stories over and over again to get them flawless like this or is this something that just comes natural to you um I might read them once. I, I've just, I just gotten into the habit of, I don't know, reading ahead, trying to read, you know, read the sentence in front and then say the sentence behind. I don't really know how to describe it, but I, I've, I've learned after doing this for so long uh, how to read without making many mistakes. Um, I do read a bit faster on my YouTube channel, though. I am slowing myself down. 
just to make minimal errors, but it does take practice. Oh, yeah. You know, when I was in commercial you know, broadcasting, working for independent radio stations, they would come and hand me ad copy, you know, for an ad for a used car or a sale at a furniture store, and they say, here it is. You, you, <laughs> you know, the break time is coming up in three minutes. Go ahead and read it. Oh, yeah, fun. And, yeah, and you, you know what? If I practice and read it two or three times, I'm good. But to go cold yeah. turkey... I mean, you'd be surprised. Some of the words that would come out of my mouth, I'm going, wow. <laughs> you know, hopefully they understood what I was talking about. But, yeah, I, I really am intrigued about, you know, how well you do. And, and you really, you know, it's like old-time radio. When I was a kid, before we got our first TV, which had a round picture tube about that big, <laughs> we had, you know, an old, uh, well, an old, I think it was uh, Epson radio and uh, all the relatives would come over on the weekends and they would gather in the front room drinking their coffee and whatever they were drinking i'm not going to go there and we would listen to old time well it was not old time but you know radio shows you know, you know i've i've always liked radio shows my grandma listens to one in the uk called um the arches i think it's the longest kind of radio drama that they've had going on. It's been going on for something like 50 years. It's still very popular. Um, so there's still a big audience for, for, you know, like radio shows and stuff in England. Well, you know, the, the thing is, what I like about radio, even, you know, like I listen to some of your shows at night, is that what you do with radio, because you don't see it, you kind of like close your eyes and then you, your imagination kicks in. So when yeah. you, you see the guy coming with the axe chopping through the wall, you actually, in your mind, you see that. And, you, uh, it, um, and the stories are so much more intense than if you're sitting there like watching Hawaii Five O on TV. You know, <laughs> and somebody says, well, what, what happened three minutes earlier? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because your attention span is like, here it is, there it is, and it's over with. You don't use your imagination. And no, I, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think there's a certain beauty to just letting your mind fill in the blanks and paint the picture. Oh, it, yeah. uh, it definitely adds value than just being fed everything. You, you know, all the content in one go. It's uh, it's part of the fun, in my opinion. Oh, it is. You know, I keep thinking always back. Orson Welles, War of the Worlds. Ah, there's a, I don't know if you're about to say this, but I do know a very funny story about that. Go ahead, real quick. I think it was in England where they began, where someone narrated the book and they didn't say that it was a narration. They read it as if it was real. <laughs> and some people started to believe it and began freaking out, thinking that there was an alien invasion. But obviously there wasn't. But I think after they had to apologize. But it is a funny story. Well, you know, if that would have happened nowadays, you know, whoever was in charge of putting on the radio play and who else could probably go to jail for manslaughter or something because you know originally here when the war of the worlds originally played people were freaking out the ones who were listening to amos and andy and other type shows they would click on to hear you know orson wells and they didn't hear the disclaimer like this is a radio play and they didn't catch 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Atchet. So they were hearing about these aliens coming in. You know, destroying cities, killing people, you know, burning down houses. And uh, about the same time that play was going on, there was a place in Washington State, Concrete, Washington, and people were listening to it. And all of a sudden, their power went out. So everybody got out their guns. They were walking up and down the streets of Concrete looking for these ETs. But what was (laughs) really bad, though, there was a farmer, for example, that killed his wife and kids (gasps) because he thought... It'd be more humane for him to do it than these ETs disintegrating them and all this stuff. I mean, there was a lot of people who died and perished from that radio show. That's how powerful oh radio could be. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. Check out our website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. We'll be right back, so stay tuned. Ten thousand what? It's obvious you're buzzed and driving. I've only had a few. I'm fine. Yeah, the food's twelve bucks, but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around ten thousand dollars in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. Actually, just park and come in. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You can advertise your business on Night Dreams Talk Radio, and you will be heard worldwide. Why not contact us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. You're listening to my husband, Gary Anderson, on Night Dreams Talk Radio. Night Dreams Talk Radio brings you talk radio like you remember with your host, Gary Anderson. And that is me here. It is 7.30 p.m. Pacific West Coast time coming to you live from the compound in beautiful Gig Harbor. Well, Mort, what else do you have? I still have a few more Thanksgiving stories if you're ready. I am ready. I'm so hungry for Thanksgiving. Go ahead. Wonderful. All right, then. This next story was sent in from a listener. A number of years back, I think it's only fitting that I share it again. So, this family moved into an old house somewhere in rural America. I can't actually disclose where. The house was beautiful, large, big, and built sometime in the 1800s. A house with character. 
the family of four moved in and were relatively happy in their new old house for a while. That is, of course, until the typical telltale signs of something living amongst you start to kick in. Hearing faint voices from rooms with no one in them. From hearing things in the basement, even though it was a relatively new part of the house. And objects moving around randomly. There was one occasion where the father was downstairs making breakfast for the family before everyone was awake. And he heard something. It's almost like someone was coming down the stairs. He glanced over to see one of his daughters wiping her eyes in tired. So he turns around and starts preparing her breakfast. Right as he's talking to her, he wonders why she isn't replying. Maybe she's still tired. And after pouring her a glass of juice, he turns around, but she's gone. The funny thing about this house is that if you go up the stairs, they're incredibly noisy as they're made of wood and creak. However, there were no creaks. And as he looked around, she definitely hadn't come down. Thinking perhaps he'd just imagined her, he continues making breakfast. And within about half hour, the family come down to join. When he asks his daughter if she'd come down, she denied it and said that she had not. It was at that moment that he noticed she was wearing completely different pyjamas to the one he thought he saw her wearing. That was one of the first things that freaked them out. But it doesn't end there. A few months go by and Thanksgiving rolls around. To celebrate their new home, they invite all of their family over to celebrate the holiday. Everyone is having delicious food, turkey, cranberries and the like. After they are all incredibly and extremely full, they all sit down and watch the TV for a little while. Allegedly not too far away, there's going to be a fireworks show and they believe it will be visible from their dining room, which incidentally is connected to their open plan living room. So the family opened the curtains, waiting for the spectacle to come, as they watch TV. So when the spectacle does come, they switch off the telly and start to watch. The fireworks last about 20 minutes, and then they realize it's probably time to hit the hay. Now, this not being the biggest house, and having invited everyone over, there is a certain need for people to sleep on the couch and on sleeping bags. All the children and cousins and brothers and sisters and like volunteered to share the sleeping quarters downstairs and sleeping bags, thinking it would be fun to have a sleepover-like thing. So, they all get ready and are downstairs and are just about to go to sleep. But one of the cousins notices that there's something outside in the garden you see, they hadn't closed the curtains. So the rest of the cousins and family who were downstairs decide to take a look at what it could be. They look down the long garden to see something move, but it's quite 
indiscriminate. They can't really tell what it is exactly. It's gone before they all reach it. So they all consider closing the curtain, but one of them says to keep it open just in case it returns. After a little while, they get bored. When one cousin finally gets up to close the curtains, just as he's about to close them, he sees a spectral girl walk right in front of the glass door and onwards. He screams, wakes up the whole house and tells the story. No one, no one believes him but the dad. After a while, even though he's afraid, confesses that he has also seen the phantom spectre. No. They stayed in that house for a while, but uh, yeah, they saw something that Thanksgiving. Well, it was more than a turkey, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. So, I mean, you don't celebrate naturally Thanksgiving in the UK. How are, how are things going where you're at now? How do you love it? Do you love it or do you like it there? Um, yeah. I mean, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving because it's an American holiday, but I have actually attended it at Americans' friends' houses, and I have to say, <laughs> I love the food. The uh, One of my friends, he, he does the sweet potato with marshmallows, and I'm in heaven. It's so delicious. Oh, yeah. I love sweet things. Oh, great. What's our next uh, story you got for us? Okay, then, the next story, let's see, I think this one, yes, this person learned to not be generous on Thanksgiving, and you're about to find out why. It was Thanksgiving 2011, and I was celebrating at my grandparents' farm in a little town of Seville, Florida. I'd had way too much to eat that holiday and was about to leave to drive back to school in Tallahassee. I stopped at the one little gas station in town to fill up before getting on the highway. I had just finished filling up when a lady walked up to me. She was really scruffy looking with crazy blonde dyed hair. But this is the backwards of Florida, so no judgment. There were really kind people who looked like that in these parts, and she began talking to me about how her car had run out of gas, and she pointed to an old junker parked over near the convenience store, and that if I could possibly give her some cash to get home. I usually don't say yes to things like this, but it was Thanksgiving weekend, so I was feeling extra generous. I told her I'd be happy to fill up her car a little to get her home. But that is when it started to get weird. She kept insisting that I give her cash and that the car was so empty she would be unable to drive it to a pump. I don't know why I didn't just leave right then and there. But again, I was in a very good mood and I told her if she had a gas can, I would put some in but that I did not feel comfortable giving her cash. She kept objecting, but eventually went over and pulled a gas can from her car. 
I started filling it up. She put her hand on me and said, Do you have a girlfriend? Politely, I told her no. She said that she wanted to pay me back somehow for the gas. I respectfully declined, even after she kept touching my shoulder, and offered me a little bit more than that. But I stopped pumping the gas, got into my car at that very moment, and left her there with the gas can. A while later, I called my mum and told her about the creepy, sleazy encounter. She paused and asked me if this lady had ratty, blonde hair and looked like she was a little bit strung out. I confirmed that, yes, that was what she looked like and asked her how she could have known. This lady was apparently all over the news. She was well known in town and had been at a party earlier. An exchange had gone south and her baby had been kidnapped by a client of hers and left under a bush in town. She hadn't even bothered to call the police about the missing child until later. They were both arrested and charged. Wow. Yeah, it's... Uh, Humans can be pretty disturbing. Uh, yeah. You're right on that one. Yeah. I don't know how anyone could leave their child like that. Yeah, well, again, too, if people are strung out on drugs, you'd be surprised what they can do. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Oh, yeah. Well, let's go for the next one. Of course. Right then. Here we go. It was the day before Thanksgiving. My mom, sister, and I were driving back from a very late family gathering. Our house was about 20 minutes from the party. I think I was about 18, my sister 14, and our house was in a new development. But the drive there was rather solitary, kind of through the woods. The highway was one of those winding highways along a river where you drive about 40 miles an hour max to the right were the woods to the left the river there's one turn off road onto a small bridge to the left a few miles before our own turn off this night i remember sitting in the front seat kind of drowsy and ready to go to bed it must have been two in the morning my mum always used to drive really slowly, which drove me nuts. It would always irritate me. She'd also tap the brakes constantly. It was quite annoying. This night, we were driving along, and just before the bend in the road, a few feet past the bridge, there was a car positioned perpendicular to the road. That is, blocking the road. There were two men just sitting in the car looking at us, not trying to turn around or anything, just blocking the road. My mum slammed on the brakes, and I've never seen her move her car so quickly. She cursed and threw the car into reverse and turned into the bridge to turn, because at the end of the bridge, on the other side, another car had blocked the other road. I just remember my heart slamming against my ribs. I had no idea what was going on but I do remember my mum saying something like these men were no good 
She'd lived in Mexico City in the 70s and had had her fair experience of crime in shady situations. The idea that something terrible was planned was brought home when we saw the other guy blocking the other end of the bridge. My mum managed to turn the car around and hit the gas, and we got the hell out of there. We drove... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Back to my aunt's house and called the police as there were no cell phones back then. They took a long time and finally they gave us a police. And finally they gave us a police escort back home. I never drove home that way again. I took the longer route on another road. We never did find out what those guys were up to. But after all the crime stories that I've heard and read, I can imagine. I was really, really scared. I'm glad that my mum was a cautious driver and that she surprised me with her skill. But if you ever drive on a long, scary, desolate, lonely road home, drive slow and be on the lookout. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I tell you that I'm not going to be on a road like that. No, I, I oh. certainly wouldn't. I've actually heard a number of horror stories uh, from people I've known personally of uh, of scams taking place like that on lonely roads. One of the uh, one of the famous ones when I was about twelve, I think, was that you would get people who would buy. Baby chairs, you know, car seats, the, the ones for, you know, proper babies, like really small babies. And they would just put them in the middle of lonely roads and wait in the bushes. And when eventually someone drove by, most of the time they'd stop. And the moment that they left their car to investigate, these people would flood from the bushes, get into their car and steal it. Maybe even assault the person whose car they stole. But it is something true that happened to many people. And I've heard that story a number of times. Of course, after a while, people learn and they just drive around it. But it's, it's that fear that someone has left an innocent baby out in the middle of the road to either die one way or another. And your compassion takes hold. But unfortunately... That's what they're counting on, to do some horrific things to you. That's why, I don't know. I, I, again, I'm, I'm glad I've never experienced that. Me too. Yeah. You got some couple good stories coming up here before we move on to the next guest. What's your next one? 
So would you like me to, uh, before we wrap up, just in case time-wise, I think I'm going to share a cautionary tale about firework safety. It's also horrifying, so... Let's go for it. Yeah. Yep. Let's do it. All right, then, listeners, uh, for all of you who are going to be using or handling pyrotechnics, fireworks, whatever you want to call it, here's a little story for you to remember safety. This happened when I was 13. A very stupid 13-year-old I was. The day after Guy Fawkes, for context, that's the 5th of November in England, we had two rather large, unexploded fireworks that were duds. I emptied the gunpowder from both of them into a container of sorts and put a fuse into the powder. I lit the fuse and got the heck out of the way. I waited and waited for the explosion, but none came. So I carefully walked up to the container and saw the fuse had gone out. But unfortunately, I was very wrong. While I was getting my lighter ready, I noticed the gunpowder around the fuse was quickly turning black, and I knew I was in trouble. All I saw was a bright white light and a searing pain in my right hand. After the explosion, I looked at my hand, and it appeared that my fingers were ripped apart down quite a few layers of skin and the pain was excruciating. I ran inside past my mother and didn't say a word to her because I knew I would get in trouble and I ran all the way to the bathroom to put my mangled fingers under cold water. My mother knew something was up when she saw my hair or what was left of it (laughs) and probably came in and took me to the hospital where I was fixed up and given a ton of pain meds. Diagnosis? Almost third-degree burns on three of my fingers. To top the night off, I was getting a haircut to get rid of the burnt hair, and the stylist slipped with her scissors cutting into my ear. I never knew ears could bleed that much, but after all the pain meds, I didn't feel a thing. Moral of the story, guys, don't play with gunpowder. Oh, yeah. You know, before we went on the air, I was telling Mort, when I was in high school, there was this macho football player, good-looking guy. He was always doing weird stuff to, you know, impress the gals in the school. And he took a firecracker, not the little one, but one of the bigger ones uh, in the United States is the M42. And he put it between his teeth and he thought, yeah, is this going to pop, right? Well, when it popped, he had no teeth. Could you imagine here? You're a young, good-looking stud. You know, all the girls loved him because he was like the quarterback of the football team. And after he lost all his teeth, you know, no girls wanted to go out with him. Well, I don't blame them. Yeah. Well, let's let's go for the next story. I think we got time for one more. Excellent. Okay, then. This final anecdote is also a story about firework safety. However, it is far worse than its predecessor. This story takes place when the writer was about 13. His dad had bought a number of pyrotechnics from China, thinking that he could get a discount 
It was a few days before Thanksgiving, and seeing as their father had bought an abundance, him and his friends thought it would be brilliant if they could light a few for themselves and have their own little private party. So, that afternoon, they snuck into the dad's garage and pulled a number randomly from the pile. There were a number of impressive-sounding fireworks, and the biggest of the one they thought they could have, as there were two of them, assuming the father wouldn't know that it was gone and not be missed. In any case, at that age, who really knows what goes through your mind to justify taking such dangerous objects? But nonetheless, taken they were, and on they went to a little spot in the woods to light their fireworks and to have, in what their opinion, would be quite an amazing private party. Of course, they had to wait for nightfall in order to appreciate the true magnitude and scope of these confiscated goods. So, when night falls, they get their lighters ready. Of course, they had to have the biggest one first. So, the boy who took his father's fireworks does the honours and pulls out his brother's lighter. With his left hand, he lights a flame. Just a little note. What the boy didn't realise at the time, but did a little after, is that the fuse of a firework needs to be made of a very special material in order for it to burn slow enough that you can run away and then witness the glory of fireworks from a distance. However, not only was this fuse quite short, something which did not catch his attention immediately, but also was not of the best quality, shall we say. So, with match in hand, he reaches down and lights the firework. He watches the fuse evaporate, and within moments, there is an explosion, the likes of which he had never heard. His hearing goes, and when he looks down, feeling pain unimaginable to most, he looks at a stub of what is left of his hand. He had effectively blown off his whole hand, and his friends were freaking out. It was dark, and after your hand's been blown off, not cut off, blown off, there is no way that it's coming back. Of course, the following events are incredibly painful. Having to get surgery, explaining to your parents about your stupidity without your hand, and everything after. Safe to say, the boy learnt his lesson, as did all their friends, to never play with pyrotechnics without proper supervision and buying quality products. And I hope to all you listeners that you heed the advice of this poor soul. Who knows? It might save you a finger or two. Or more. And that is also, don't buy Chinese fireworks because you're going to end up with a cheap Chinese blowjob. 
<laughs> you know that. You know, I, 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 when you were talking about this stuff, you know, when I was young in high school or out of high school and I had my first radio job, I had a 57 Ford and it needed a new muffler. So I went and picked up a muffler. I jacked the car up and it wouldn't come off. So I went into the house, got my dad's torch and I'm heating up the pipe, pounding on the muffler and I'm going, Oh, gee, the neighbors are barbecuing again. God, whatever they're they're cooking that smells bad. And then I realize I set my hair on fire. <laughs> and I, I go in the house, I look in the mirror, and, like, there's virtually no hair on the back of my head on the sides. And I'm freaking out. So, you know, my mom comes home and she goes, you know, we need to shave your head. I'm young. I'm my early 20s. <laughs> I got a radio job, you know, I'm a personality. So, you know, my mom says, well, you know, go to Sears department store. They sell wigs. And I go in there and, yeah, they have wigs, but they didn't have any men's wigs. So I'm talking to this lady and she goes, no problem. We can take this woman's wig. I can cut it and I can style it. You'll look like, you know, like one of the Beatles. I said, (laughs) okay, let's do it. So she styles it. She puts a hairspray on. It looks fantastic. I feel all the confidence in the world. The next day, I it's pouring down rain. I go to work. I get out of my car. I go into the office building where the radio station was. And people were staring at me. And I reached down or looked down. Well, my zipper's up. I got my pants on. I, I go into the studio and everybody in the radio station is laughing at me. And finally, a girl taps me on the shoulder and she says, well, Gary, you need to go into the bathroom and look in the mirror. I'm freaked out. I go into the bathroom. I turn the light on. I look in the mirror and I'm going, oh, my God, I look like a crossdresser. What happened is the wig after it got wet and the hairspray ran off. It went back into a woman's style wig. <laughs> oh. I was never so embarrassed in my life. I take it you just went in with little hair then after. I, well, literally took it off. And then people had a double laugh that day, Mort. It was like a, a, a double whammy. How can, again, uh, what days a week do you broadcast your channel? And how can they find it? Oh, thank you for asking. I broadcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And if you would like to hear more stories narrated by me, you can check out my YouTube channel called Mortis Media. If you just type Mortis Media into YouTube or Google or pretty much anywhere, my face should pop up or my little logo and just click that for hours of scary stories. Oh, yeah. I guarantee I I listen to them. And I, you know, I, I really thought maybe it would make me fall asleep, but no, I get so engrossed listening to the stories. I can't sleep. Hey, Mort, our time is up. I want to thank you so much. Enjoy the weather there in Mexico. Stay out of trouble and don't play with fireworks. Oh, no, I will stay very safe. And I wish you and all your listeners a very wonderful night, Gary. And thank you for having me on. And of course, be careful around fireworks, guys. Okay, my friend, you take care. Take care. Thank you. Bye. I'm bye. Well, coming up, we got Ron Moorhead.
And we are going to be, we're going to be talking about Bigfoot talking and screaming and Bigfoot in general with Ron Moorhead. It's going to be a great hour. We're going to have a lot of fun. And gee, again, has any of you guys ever, ever bought a wig and had it styled and it looked good? You go outside in the rain or the wind and people start staring at you. I don't know. We'll be back right after this, and, uh, well, we got another hour of the show. Again, check out our website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, please do subscribe to the channel. If you like the show, do a thumbs up. We try to bring on the best guest out there from, well, like what we just did to the paranormal to... With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Earth changes to Bigfoot. So stay tuned. We'll be right back right after this. You were ready when the wall started shaking. Stood steady as they tumbled down Kept your head through the falling and breaking When others stumbled you stood your ground You knew that hoping Could leave you wide open To the dangerous changes In stranger days to come Darkness grows in the midst and shadows, puppets pose and deeds betray. There are myths that persist, and we all know words can keep the truth at bay. You know that open could leave you wide open. Fear closes in, and heroes don't all. This is Val Von Torn of Metatron Power and Light. You're listening to Gary Anderson and Night Dreams Talk Radio. We're here to make you feel Hi, Tom Davis here with Metatron Power and Light. We'd like to thank everyone for all the positive emails and responses to our music. Our music can be found on Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, and all digital outlets and is featured on Night Dreams Talk Radio with Gary Anderson. We're here. 
Metatron Power and Light is a band that deals with esoteric subjects, the paranormal, and other topics that engage the spirit and mind. Visit MetatronPowerAndLight.com to learn more. We are facing a time of great change and the future is unwritten. But when we come together and seek answers, we expand our awareness until we begin to see the unseen. Uncovering secrets allows us to develop the knowledge we will need to shape our future and control our destiny. Coming to you from some far point station, like a cosmic tumbleweed, both north and south of the Pleiades, here's your host, Gary Anderson. And we are back with a full second hour tonight with Ron Moorhead. Ron, it's been a long time since you've been on here, my friend. Boy, I'm not picking you up here. Oh, oh there we go. There we got you. Uh, ah, me. Yeah, I me like didn't want to scare you. I'd send a Bigfoot after you. That's what I would do. How have you been? You just... I I've, heard, been, I've been great. Thank you. I heard you just recently moved. Yes, just came off the Pacific Northwest. I'm living back east now. Yeah. Uh, in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Now, do they have Bigfoot in North Carolina? Well, they say they do. Of course, they say they got Bigfoot just about everywhere in the world, so... Uh, they're seeing something going on out there, and, uh, you know, they got different names from them all over. So, yes, they're supposedly got Bigfoot out here. I have not gotten involved with them yet, but I will shortly. Oh, yeah. You'll like that area. I mean, it, it, it's weird. It, it kind of reminds me, kind of, in a way, like the Puget Sound area and, and Forks, Washington area, depending on whereabouts in North Carolina you're at. Yeah, I bought a home, we're buying a home on White Lake, which is by uh, Elizabethtown, uh, which is about 40, 50 miles, well, it's about, yeah, it's about an hour uh, out of Wilmington. Wow. Nice weather, beautiful area. Yeah. Well, what do you think about it when you go into the grocery store? Did you notice any difference from being on the West Coast to North Carolina? <laughs> do I ever? Yeah, you know, you, where I came from back there in Washington, you, you had to show your card that you got a vaccination before you go into a restaurant. Out here, uh, hardly any of them even wear a mask, but, uh, you know, they still do what they think they got to do. But, uh, yeah, it's very, you feel freer out here. I do anyway. I feel, I guess, uh, it's, the people are more friendly. I remember, of course, it's been a long time since I was in North Carolina. And, you know, coming from the West Coast, you know, Washington State, L.A., California, all that stuff, and and going in a grocery store line, it wasn't like, well, gee, there's three people ahead of me. I'll be out in 10 minutes or less. It was like 45 minutes just standing there because people were just, you know, exchanging stories. Have you noticed that at all? Yeah, it's uh, very friendly friendly out here. It was friendly in this little town I came from, too, Squim, Washington. It's a really a nice little town. It's just the whole state is, is so blue. I, I don't get into, I won't get into politics here, but they just really uh, restrict you a lot. And out here, you seem seems more free. It you know? does. What can yeah. you tell us about, you know, what got you originally, Ron, into Bigfoot? What motivated you of all things i was involved with a group of hunters that encountered something up there they didn't know what it was but had a big left a big foot impression had a great big voice and uh 
I went up there because I was friends with them, and they were hunting. I wasn't a hunter at the time, but I became a hunter just so I could be part of the group. And that's what got me involved. Uh, these things started coming around the camp. It's about eight miles into the wilderness in the Sierra Nevada mountains, and 8,400 feet in elevation. So it was quite a quite a trip to get in there. Very imposing area, and uh, that's what got me involved. And I started studying. Uh, first, I was raised religiously in churches and stuff, so I kind of had to look where where what's the Bible say about Bigfoot and uh, about giants because these things were giants. They're huge. And uh, so that's how I got involved, and it was—it's uh, been an exciting journey. I got to tell you, I've been doing it now for for over 50 years, and it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's big party life where it gets gets into you like this. And we recorded their vocalizations up there, started recording them because we started—I started going back as often as I could, and uh, that was uh, quite an adventure. And they were. Mostly coming around and interacting with us when we were inside our shelter, which is a makeshift log shelter. And um, <clears throat> that was what uh, was pretty exciting because their sounds were ferocious at first. I mean, really uh, pretty frightening. It could be. and But after a while, you realize that uh, they're not going to eat you. They didn't carry us away. And uh, we all get to get out and go back again. So you just kept going back and wondering what was going on. What is it? What are these things? They, most of the researchers, like we were, just thinking there was some kind of unidentified giant ape running around the woods. And uh, I think a lot of people still think that, but there's a little bit more than that, I think, I've decided after after all these years of research and all over the world. And so that's what uh, that's what got me into it, was these guys were very honorable. I knew them. They're business people, too, and, and as, as I was. And we uh, kind of kept it under our hats and for a while until... Uh, uh, a few years ago when Alan Barry, the investigative reporter we took up there in 72 who got wind that was something was going on but he was looking for a hoax uh, and uh, we didn't know that at the time but uh, he was and he, he got caught up in it too and he's the one that actually started recording him also and he got the sounds uh, they got um, established as being very credible they weren't manipulated they weren't played forward or backward they weren't speeded up or slowed down by a professor curlin at the university of wyoming and uh, that kind of got it on a roll and uh, got me more involved because when he came back with that very credible report and he wrote a paper on it and published it in a book and that got it uh, going but we've had more studies since then and more professionals looking at it and no one can debunk it because it, it's real and that's, that's what I got to say because it was real and uh, it was uh, very exciting. Well, you know, I, I don't know if you remember back when you were on my show. You know, I, you were on my producer show at one time also. But back in the early 2000s, you know, a friend of mine who was a medical doctor, he just got done finishing his internship. His father was a Superior Court judge in Pierce County, Washington. Very credible family, you know. And I took a break from broadcasting for a while. And I was just burned out, and I was managing a chain of camera stores, professional camera stores. And I got to know this doctor. He would come in, and, you know, we started going out and taking pictures of lighthouses down the Oregon coast and into California and stuff like that. And one day he goes, hey, let's go up to the Canadian Rockies and let's get some ghost town pictures. And I said, sure. And we uh, went on the trip up to the Canadian Rockies. My wife was generous. She just bought a new Cavalier like two weeks before the trip. And she goes, take that instead of your old Jeep. And my Jeep wasn't that old. It just had a lot of miles on it. 
And we were getting our pictures, and, you know, we found this information about the old Japanese internment camp where they held prisoners during World War II up in the Canadian Rockies. And we went and found that. We went in, and we were taking pictures of the old cemetery and what was left of the internment camp, which was not much. And, you know, my friend says there was a creek there, and it was built on a base of a, a mountain, and it was silver mines everywhere around that area. And he, he said, hey, get that picture of that that uh, bear across the creek. Now, he had a wide angle on his camera. I had a good-sized telephoto. And I swung around, Ron, and this is a true story, 100%. I swung around. I go to take the picture. And then the next thing I know, this thing isn't a Bigfoot. It's something I don't even know what it is. At that point in my life, I didn't even know what a Bigfoot was. I didn't believe in him. I, you know, I, 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 and I freaked out. And about the same time, I went to, you know, take the picture. It, like I said, it noticed me, and it screamed. And being at the base of that mountain there, it kind of echoed. And now I'm really freaked out. And all of a sudden, it decides it's going to come towards us, and it started started running. And it, what I notice, and a lot of people say, "No, this is not true, Gary. You're full of it." What I noticed, and you can, you know, and I don't know if you ever ever heard of these creatures or whatever they are. It was running, and I only looked back a couple times. I'll be honest with you, I, I'm a coward. I wanted to get out of there because when it started, this thing was huge. And what I did notice, it was running, at least at the start, I don't know afterwards, between two legs and four legs. That I remember. And I remember we took off running. And when we got back to the car, I don't know if it was its mate or the same one, but off uh, from the old access road, which we were probably about 25 feet or so from the tree line. Here was one of these creatures. And the first thing I noticed, it was bending a tree over, like three, four inch tree, like nothing. And it was like screaming. And I remember the, the stench. Now, this was like the first week of June up in the Canadian Rockies. There was still snow in places. It was cold, really chilly. And I remember the smell was so strong that it was burning my throat and my nose. And I tried breathing through my mouth more than through my nose because it really was pungent. And all I remember is I started the car. My friend wasn't quite to the car door, and I stuck it in gear. And I was dragging my friend, and I'm going, God, I'm going to kill my friend. So I stopped. About the same time I stopped, it threw a rock. This is a true story, and it took out the passenger fender where it joins the door on the passenger. It just, you know, put a huge dent in it. And that was my only encounter of whatever these creatures are. And, you know, it, it was it violent? I don't know. If it wanted to kill me, it would have done it. But I tell you what, Ron, I was scared. I mean, I've never gone back into the woods. I grew up in a family. That when I was a kid, my father, you know, loved going out to, you know, Mount Rainier, 
to Idaho, Montana, and we'd go camping out in the woods, not in the campground. And I tell you, after that, I, I couldn't, I just had no desire ever to go back into any forest. Well, that's understandable, Gary. It, <laughs> that would scare just about anybody to have something like that running after you. I've seen or heard quite a few reports of these things getting on all fours and running like that. And uh, have them chase you. Uh, they never catch you, though, even though they could. You're right. He could have took you out. So yeah, that's, yeah. What was he doing? He was probably trying to keep you away from something, uh, something they didn't want you to get close to. Or who knows? I mean, you know, we had we had this encounter in the Sierras, and I don't know why it happened other than so I can talk with you tonight. You know, it's it just, it just an amazing experience. And to have these things scream and yell like they do uh, and talk these things talk the ones we encountered were actually have a language we found out and uh it's it's just uh an amazing thing there's so many things we don't know with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details we're still trying to learn and uh that's why I've been doing this, because once this gets under your crawl like that, I, I can't get away from it. I mean, I'm all over the world with this stuff now, or have been anyway. And it's just, uh, it's it's fun. It's a good adventure, and uh, just traveling the unknown. The thing you got to watch for is your own fear, because fear will take you out. And uh, we, we challenged, that was a challenge for us at the beginning up there when these sounds started happening, because they were so aggressive. And I heard a, a report just uh, recently about a lady who had a, had a visual encounter with these things, and uh, they saw her and screamed at her. And she said their their vocal their neck swelled out when it was yelling at her. And she saw it from twenty feet away. She said, and oh wow, and she could it's like air sacs come out of their neck, and they can throw their voice like a howler monkey or something. But uh, there's so uh, so many things going on that we don't see and don't understand, and that kind of got me off onto. Uh, trying to understand it. Al Berry, who was the investigative reporter that we took up to the mountains in 1972, he ended up with a master's degree in science. He says, whatever you do, stay with science when you talk about this to people because people won't believe this, what goes on up here. And uh, there were strange things went on with us, uh, just unusual things, lights and sounds we couldn't identify. And I don't mean the vocalizations, I mean uh, different things. And uh, you just... Uh, I, trying to figure it out that's what I've been doing all these years and that's what got me into to the study that I've been doing in the quantum physics because I think there's a, rules that exist throughout the universe according to Professor Blair at uh, Texas A&M and he says whatever's in the, <clears throat> from all the way from the atom to the cosmos uh, you're working through the laws of quantum physics and even though we live in a classical world of three dimensions uh, it's uh, it's not all there is There's there's more and that's where you get into the quantum physics and quantum laws that uh, really are all over. That's what got it started. It's called the modern science, and modern science is only a little over 100 years old, whereas you got classical science, which is Newtonian physics, uh, based on just what you can feel and touch and measure and predict and, and physical material, where quantum science is not like that. It, it goes further. It, it, it explains the things that we can't explain with our 
with our classical science rules. And I think that's where most people go awry a little bit because they, they think that they have to understand everything with just what they can see and, and feel and touch, and, and there's more going on. And uh, once you get into quantum physics a little bit and understand that's how they... Can they disappear? Can they, can they do these things that people are claiming they do? There is laws that... that there has to be a law that makes that happen, a rule uh, throughout the universe, and it's quantum, quantum rules. And they think they have a way of changing their frequency. And according to Tesla, everything is energy, frequency, and vibration. So when you get into uh, some of that stuff, you can start to try to understand. We At least it helps me understen how things that we had that happened to us up there at the camp. Uh, we heard one time our camp being tore apart. We thought it was outside our shelter. We was inside and look out there later, and nothing's changed. And, and uh, that just doesn't make sense. Something had to be missing. <laughs> and you try to understand some of the lights that went on and the things like that. And really, there's just more going on than what we see with our three-dimensional eyes. I think you're you're so right too. You know, I've had various scientists on my show, Michio Kaku and a few others, and they said that you know, the fifth dimension is very close to being broken, cracking. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if the fifth dimension, if they do crack it, they, you know, Michio Kaku said then like portals and other things could be real. And you know even the, the head of NASA here two weeks ago when he was talking about UFOs he also said that he believed portals could exist so maybe these things are by their frequency of you know what they do they can create portals where they can come and go and change things I don't know but mm-hmm. one thing was interesting one of your friends I can't remember his name anymore but But he said he was with you at the camp and you guys he said recorded sounds and where your camp was correct me if I was wrong you had to take a dock year whatever it was to get to it with your you know supplies it was not something that was just down the road like a campground you had to go a long ways to where your camp was am I right that's right yeah eight miles into the wilderness is what we figure it is yeah we packed horses and mules we kept our take our supplies in on mules and uh, go on horseback and then we'd leave them up there uh, take some barrels in we took barrels in and strapped those to a tree with cables and made them bear proof as possible and and that way when we did walk in which we could do and we'd have to take the animals each time uh, we'd have supplies up there sleeping bags things like that and so it's a lot easier trip when <laughs> you don't have to take everything in and take everything out uh, so yeah we would do that. But your friend said that one of the recordings he said that they got with a recorder there is it sounded like a car door trunk and the car door is like slamming and stuff like that. And he said you guys were nowhere, any forest roads, service roads, no way a vehicle could have been in that area. Well, that's one of the things, yes. I heard the car door slam out there and... There's no car. You can't get a car up there. It's ridiculous. You know, 8,400 feet in elevation is where our camp is. And to get there, you go up to 10,000 feet in and up and down canyons and what have you. So it's quite a trip, and there's nothing like that up there. And, yeah, strange things like that would happen. One time I thought I heard a, uh, the daytime, uh, we did, heard this big, sound like a tuning fork up above us. And just a woo-woo-woo-woo sound, and you look up and you don't see it. Something up there is making that sound, but you can't identify. You can't find the source of it. 
And I think there's an alien phenomenon uh, going on, a, a component possibly with the alien connection with these things. And uh, I used to get me out in the left field when I'd say that, but now that our government and everybody says it's okay to believe in aliens and UFOs <laughs> or UAFs, whatever you want to call them, uh, I, I come out with it because uh, I've been, like I said, I've been in Peru, Bolivia, all over those places. I've seen these uh, an anomalies that just uh, are so... Uh, uh, well, you, you can't figure out how they did what they did unless it's through sound waves and vibrations, something like that. But when you see these things in Peru and Bolivia, uh, it, it opens your mind up to realizing that something with advanced uh, intelligence and technology has been here and they've done some things that we just don't understand to this day how they did it. And uh, when you see that stuff with your own eyes, it kind of you got to have an open mind. I always said, well, you have an open mind, but not, not so open that your brains fall out. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you want to keep it open, but but still, what answers that? Well, I got into the physics, like I say, uh, everything's frequency, energy, and vibration, and we are at the most minute level of our existence. We are energy. And if these things have learned how to change their matter into energy through vibrational frequency, they can go out of our perception. And that's uh, that's my theory anyway, and... And it's just, uh, I think it's a good one because too many people say, oh, I saw them disappear, I saw them disappear. People I know, to be credible, saw this. And, and also, trackways can just stop. Well, how does that happen? Happens when, when their matter changes into energy only, and they don't have a density anymore, so they don't leave a track. And that happened to me. I used to throw people out with the baby water when they tell me that story, you know, like so many researchers still do. Cause, well, it has to be a hoax. A helicopter pick them up and take them out of there. No, their density changes, and uh, that's that's how it works. And I, I looked, and I looked. I could not see where this thing could have went after that. Uh, trees, uh, rocks, boulders, brush, where, where could it have gone to stop leaving a trackway? My daughter just saw it, and we found the trackway. And uh, it's uh, <laughs> when you witness that stuff and you have your own experience, then you start opening your mind up, because uh, until you have that experience, uh, you're going to always have these doubts about your head. But like you saw what you saw up there, there's no doubt in your mind. Um, so when you have that happen to you, you believe. And uh, you got to figure I have to. I have to figure it out. i just got to keep working at it. And I think I'm on the right track. When I present my program at these commits, like I just did this last weekend, it's it's very well accepted from for the most part. And uh, uh, people just have to get an open mind to understand how quantum physics works, like Edgar Mitchell, Dr. Edgar Mitchell said, he said it takes quantum and classical sciences together to have clear perception. Well, I think people are, are doing themselves a disservice if they don't use both sciences, both science, I say, quantum and classical together to try to understand this phenomenon that's going on that we call Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever they are. They're beings, and I think that uh, basically aliens have been here uh, there's no really no doubt about it. Most everybody believes that now, and and I think different types have been here, and I think they've uh, they've messed with the genome of different species on this planet, and that's where these different dogman different things come out. And just because, well, you know, you've heard of the Skinwalker Ranch, I'm sure. And, oh yeah. Uh, you you get into that, and you you, you got to kind of. Well, first you want to raise a flag. Oh, I can't be with. When you get into quantum science, you realize, no, there could be portals. You know, science, uh, NASA's been studying portals for quite a while. 
Uh, and the fifth dimension, yeah, these things, if they can move from the third dimension to the fifth dimension through that fourth dimension of time, I think that's where their vibrational frequency in the fourth dimension, that's when you see them floating out. And that's where ghosts are seen, I believe. You know, this depends on the temperature and the vibrational frequency of that entity, depending on what you can see. We've got to remember that our our sight has very limited to it. It's a frequency, and we only see within certain frequencies. And when you when something steps out of that frequency, you're just not going to see it anymore. Well, you know, here's another thing too. It, it's frustrating because again, I've had scientists on, and I think right now everything is game when it comes to science because a lot of scientists, even the head of NASA, even said we could be in a hologram. What mm-hmm. what we've seen might not be what we think it is. We could be some type of program. Who knows what's going on? Because there, people are grasping at straws. But I can tell you, when you see something like this physically, and you hear it, and you smell it, it exists. Now, I had on my show Christopher George numerous times. He's a retired uh, forest ranger. He was in charge of a couple you know, forests you know, as the head ranger. Now, he, besides being a ranger, he was a law enforcement one. So, you know, he, he packed a gun and, and all that stuff. And, you know, one time they were out deep in the woods and he saw Bigfoot prints. So he started following it. And what he told us, the listeners on my show, is that it went out a certain distance and then it stopped. And it didn't go any farther. And then he started checking, and he said it was no way, whatever it was, backtracked itself. And, you know, I, and, and, and it was a puzzle. Did it go into a portal? Did it walk? And then all of a sudden just vanish? Yeah. I mean, that's why, I'm, that's why I'm here. yeah. It just uh, appears to vanish. I mean, it goes from matter to energy, and you don't see it then uh, with our with our limited visibility. Uh, but there's a lot going on about that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so excited to be alive nowadays, and, and we all should be, because we're living in some really interesting times when a lot's going to be exposed, I think, to us, and we're going to learn more and more. I think that's what the Mayan calendar was all about, the 2012 crisis everybody thought we was going to have with the end of the world. Well, that, I never did think that was going to happen. Just a change in our awareness and our enlightenment. It's all coming about now. Our government, I'm sure, knows a lot more than what we're what's being told to us and what we uh, what we think. We're they just, I think, they just give us what they think we can handle. You know, we we can't handle. They're filtering aliens to us a little bit at a time in theaters and in cartoons. Even I've watched my grandson watching cartoons and there's alien cartoons out there. So we're being inundated with this, and I think when it does happen for real, uh, we won't be so surprised. No, but, you know, I just don't think the government's going to come out, honestly, after lying for so long, you know, and (laughs) say tomorrow, hey, Ron and Gary, guess what? There is Bigfoot. There is ETs. Yes, you know, again, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, Ron, we need to take a break. It's about three minutes wrong. So if you want to get a cup of Java, now's the time to do it. We'll be back with Ron Moorhead right after this break. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. So stay tuned. You can advertise your business on Night Dreams Talk Radio, and you will be heard worldwide. Why not contact us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com? 
Do you have a paranormal story you want to share on Night Dreams Talk Radio? You could be a guest. Email us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. On the Night with Night Dreams Talk Radio with Gary Anderson. Night Dreams coming to you from the great Northwest by Night Dreams Radio Network. And now, here's Gary. And we are back with Ron Moorhead. I, I got to ask you some questions. You know, I get a lot of people that I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I sometimes I, I I don't believe their stories of encounters with Bigfoot. They'll say that I was at the campground. I walked, or they put videos up like on Facebook and other media. Here they are at a campground or a picnic ground, and here's a major trail right next to it. And they walk maybe a quarter of a mile, and they say, "Okay, here's structures that Bigfoot make. Here's their shelters." And you look at it, and I go, why would Bigfoot take the time of being seen to build a structure on a pathway that hundreds of people a day walk on? <laughs> mm. Yes, there's a lot of people that are into that. Uh, I have to say and ask this, uh, did you see him make it? Uh, 
<laughs> you know, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't see what made it, you don't know what made it. <clears throat> so that's that's what it used to be. Because uh, Al Berry, who was up at our camp, never saw a Bigfoot up there. Uh, we've got glimpses. I got a good glimpse one night, and uh, that's enough. Uh, but until you see what makes the sound or what makes the tick structure, you don't know what made it. Uh, a lot of people swear by it. I don't disagree with it. Uh, you know, Native Americans used to use uh, structures to point the way to go for a different tribe or something. But um, yeah, uh, nature can do some pretty odd things. Uh, I seen one over in Siberia with uh, Dr. Benenegal one time. It just was very odd uh, how it grew, how it did it. Uh, if it. If it grew that way at all, you know, it was twisted and but who knows? Like again, if you don't see what made it, you don't know what made it. But then, if it's so unusual, it couldn't have been done by nature the way. Then you got to kind of wonder. Well, maybe. But there's so many things. Even trees being stuck in the ground upside down. Yeah, I was going to ask that. you about that. Yeah, I'll throw you a little bit. How does that happen? Well, a hurricane could do that. But uh, anyway, tornadoes. I mean, it's a, it just disrupts the atoms, and uh, you know we. We just have to open our minds up and understand that some of these things, stick structures and tree bends over and stuff like that, are done by nature. Uh, some of them may not be, though. Uh, so I don't know. I really don't know. I, I wasn't looking for stick structures. We didn't see any up there, but we weren't looking for that. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I uh, Well, here's the, the thing, too. Maybe, a little. <laughs> maybe you can clarify this because, you know, again... I've interviewed literally dozens and dozens of people who claim they've seen Bigfoot through the years. But he, here's the thing. I, aggression with these things. I, I, some of my family uh, member mo- uh, married into a Muckleshoot Indian tribe. And one of my other granddaughters married into the Nisqually tribe. And, you know, I got to know the medicine woman. This is years back at the Muckle Shoot. They didn't have a medicine man, but they had a medicine woman. And I was talking to her about Bigfoot, and she was telling me these are like turn-of-the-century stories, or before, like in the 1880s, 1870s, and stuff like that. She said that a, a Bigfoot were aggressive, going from what her story folklore was, that, you know, the, uh, the the women of the tribe would be down at the river, for example, doing their laundry, I guess. And a, a group of, like, Bigfoot would come by and they would grab either the women or a woman or so or the babies and run off with them. And she said that the warriors then would go and get, try to get their loved ones back. And she said that at times they would find human remains. Now, are these or could these creatures be aggressive in the wrong, wrong area? Yes, they could be. Uh, a lot of reports of them being aggressive, but then the ones we were around were not. Uh, I think again, they're not all the same. And I go off and let feel a little bit here and get in the weeds here, but uh, they're not from the same. <laughs> they, I think a lot of them have been here for eons. I mean, just just evolved up and they probably uh, diluted some of their offsprings by interbreeding with indigenous people and that has diluted them down to what they originally were uh, that has happened there's a lot of stories about these things taking women uh, they probably crossbreed with them and uh, that would create a, a hybrid type of being with a human component for sure 
Uh, but a lot of them aren't that way, and I think it depends on what created them. And uh, I think humans are very, very special, and I think aliens uh, want to be want to be what we are. To be honest with you, uh, I think they envy us, uh, and they want their species to survive on this planet. That's why they they have uh, messed with the genome of different species. That's my opinion, but. Uh, I just don't think they're all the same. A lot of people will judge uh, one and think they're all that way. Maybe they're all mean or bad or aggressive, but no, they're not all that way. Um, Albert Osman, who was kidnapped, I suppose, in 1924, whose story's been read and studied a lot, uh, was captive for six days with a family, a, a male, a female, and two adolescents, and he heard them chattering, just like we've heard them chattering. Uh, he, of course, people aren't out there re with recorders like we were. We just got lucky with all this stuff, I guess. Or, but uh, he didn't know if they were kind of using him for for breeding or eating or what. <laughs> he just got, he escaped though, and it's got quite a story. Uh, John Green uh, interviewed him in the fifties, and and I believed it totally. And uh, anyway, I've researched Toba Inlet where he was supposed to kidnap a whole area. I flew up there in my own plane and scoured it with a couple other people and it's uh it's just another story and uh what do you do with all this stuff uh, a lot of people don't want to believe the sierra story but most people when they hear it from the ground up like i try to present it uh it's kind of uh, telling and you got a professor of electrical engineering who studies the sounds and he says there's no fakery there's a they're credible. They weren't speeded up. All that stuff. No manipulation at all. Then you got a crypto linguist, Scott Nelson, who has been trained by the Navy military, spent a career in the Navy, uh, messing with languages, trying to figure them out. And he listened to him and said, "It is a language by the human definition." According to Dr. Lieberman, Brown University, only humans have the vocal mechanism for language. Yet these aren't human. Their their frequencies go way outside of what range we can do. And uh, so where does that put it? And it kind of makes you kind of scratch your head a little bit and drop your jaw because you just uh, want to get to the bottom of it. <clears throat> it's just uh, it's just exciting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, you know, I do have some of the recordings here that you sent over. Uh, I got rapid fire. I got, uh, oh, you know, semi-looped. Uh, I got the whistle and talk to us. Uh, is there any particular one you'd like me to play? Well, the rapid fire was uh, that was done in 1972. I believe that's the one that maybe Dr. Curlin studied. He didn't do a he did a semi-quantitative uh, study on it and wrote a paper. So yeah, I played the rapid fire. This is, I think, uh, two of them maybe arguing. We'll listen to it. I've forgotten now. But. Okay, let's let's see if I can get it to play here. Oh, 
Now that is kind of to me scary. I, yeah, it, a little aggressive. Huh? Yeah, a little. <laughs> if I heard that, I'd be peeing myself <laughs> at the middle of the night, especially well, if I was in a tent. Yeah, that was going on. Uh, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know if they're targeting who's going to eat you first, or looking for the salt and pepper, or if they're arguing about the food we left out. Uh, but that was Warren Johnson in the background there. He uh, he was we were getting a little bit comfortable then because they'd been interacting with us out for a year up there and. And, uh, yeah, uh, that was two of them, and uh, stepping on each other with a conversation of some type. And that's where uh, that's where the cryptolinguist comes in, because he studied a lot of our sounds. We got hours of them between the, the, the group of us that was up there. Uh, so he's, uh, he's determined that they have a, a language by the human definition of language, which means a morphine stream of words, which make a sapient sentence. And these things have that. So it's kind of incredible, I think, uh, what we have and the information that we we have and that these professionals that have studied this uh, have, have agreed that it's it's credible that this, this, these things can can talk. So yeah, uh, what well, let's do the samurai one. Yeah, this is the night I saw one, the samurai cry, and it's been it's a call loop because I looped it a couple times just so you could hear the cry a couple times and. Uh, I saw this thing. It was uh, making a sound up behind us uh, when we were outside the shelter, which is very unusual. In fact, it was the first time. It was 1974. We've been messing with them now for three years, and or they've been messing with us, let's put it that way. And uh, uh, there was two of them down by the creek, uh, an adolescent. We heard the sound of an adolescent. sounded like one, and, and possibly its mother, the female. And this was the big male up behind me, I believe, and... I seen it go by uh, through the moonlight of the trees really, really fast. They're very fast. They speak fast. They move fast. They're very loose, even. And that's the samurai cry. Matt Moneymaker, the BFRO, he coined this sound for me. I say not for me, but he he said it sounded like a samurai, and I kind of stuck with it all these years. It does. And let's play it. Let everybody hear it. Now that does sound to me <laughs> Japanese or, or Chinese, yeah, one of the two. Yeah. Well, I'm just glad they didn't have a sword and bring it out. <laughs> yeah. Now I, I I gotta ask you a question. I have had a couple people who claim they're Bigfoot hunters. They go out, and you know, here's the thing: up in the Canadian Rockies, you know, we went up to Canada. We didn't think of bears. We didn't think about Bigfoot. All we thought about was getting pictures. And, you know, we, you know, after we had our encounter, we drove about 15 or 20 miles from, you know, where we were at. Because, I mean, it was, it was nothing around there. That's why they put the prisoner of war camp up there where they did. We found like a little store gas station type, you know, the old style one. And we went in there and the guy immediately knew something was wrong. I guess because I wet myself too, because I was that scared when I had the encounter, <laughs> and, and and you know he he asked, and I finally blurted out, "We saw a Bigfoot," and he said, "Yes, there is Bigfoot in the area," but then he alarmed me more by saying, "Just a few days before that, a guy and his wife went out backpacking. She sprained her leg, so he went to get help, and by the time he got back with help." There was not much left of her because of the bears. 
And the, what scares me is some of these people, Ron, it tell me they're out deep in the forest. They don't have any type of protection. One guy goes, well, I got a little jackknife with a three-inch blade. But yeah, it's. I'm not saying about Bigfoot. I'm saying, you know, depending on where you're at, you got cougars, mountain lions, you got bear, who knows what else. Yeah, that's a, kind of a sad story. Uh, I don't think I would have left her out there, but what do you do? Uh, uh, did a bear eat her up? Uh, yeah, it, it, from what the guy said, it was not much left of her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the bears got a hold of her. Well, that's very similar to the stories I've heard out of a, a potluck, portlock in, in Alaska. I was just up there with the Travel Channel here this last summer uh, doing a documentary, and, and uh, they have stories like that where these people are just being bis- dismembered, and they've seen them. And they're, they weren't, uh, they weren't bear. They said it was not a bear. It was a big bigfoot, basically huge. They're bigger up in Alaska, it seems like, and just dismembering people. Sometimes they don't even find them, but they find the remains and of some of them. But anyway, they abandoned the whole village because of this, and that was years ago. But yeah, there's stories like that around, and uh, I just tell people just keep your flag up. You don't know what you're dealing with, good ones or bad ones. And I say if you come back with an arm missing, you know, there probably wasn't a good one. <laughs> well, <laughs> again, you know, I guess maybe if you go in an area where a lot of people go out looking for Bigfoot, maybe it's not that far away from population. They might be more aware of humans, and they're not scared of them. But I keep thinking like a Canadian Rockies out in the middle of nowhere, and I never expected to see one. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows what it would have done if we if I would have stood my ground. You know, maybe I wouldn't be talking to you. I don't know. I because yeah. I get all these people say they give off orbs, they telecommunicate, they're they're loving creatures. But then I hear the other stories too. So I don't know. As long as they're, I I don't see another one, I'm happy. <laughs> different, they're different kinds. I'm saying some of them are aggressive, some of them aren't. And uh, it just uh, I just tell people keep your keep your guard up because you don't know. And uh, some of them claim to sweeten, you know, pick flowers and. <laughs> do stuff like that others claim just like uh, like you're talking about that they just are very aggressive um, who knows I think there's a lot of different things going on that we don't know obviously and we'll get to the bottom of this one day but I, what I do think is I don't think they're supposed to interfere with us as humans I think we're and you not having a gun up there, I'm not sure if that would have made a difference or not. I don't uh, think so. What do I, after we, what we I saw? We had guns. You know, we, we had guns. We were as a hunting camp. I mean, we were heavily armed. We weren't going to go up there without having some kind of protection. We had big magnum you know, sidearms and everything, even out of season, um, just because you don't know. And when they make those sounds like, like the first ones you heard there, you, 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 you kind of want a gun or something to protect yourself, assuming it would help. I'm not sure it would because these things are so tough and so big and so strong. My gosh, they can bend these trees and do stuff like that that uh, humans can't do. Well, the people need to realize that, like, I've said this so many times. My dad's brother used to go up Mount Shasta. Now, this was when I was a kid. I'm almost 70 here, like less than about a month away. I'll be 70. God, I'm getting old. I remember when I was a kid, my dad freaked out got a phone call his his brother was in the hospital and they didn't think he was going to live and he was an avid hunter and him and his oldest son went out to mount shasta back then bear hunting and he shot this bear and he didn't do the kill shot and he i guess the story is he shot it a second time 
But before he could even get a third shot off, the bear was mauling him. And I tell you, I seen what he looked like afterwards. He didn't look, you know, like he did before. He had scars all over him. I mean, the bear was just, you know, was literally tearing into him. He's lucky he survived. And that's what alarms me when you talk to these people and they go out deep in the woods with no protection. They're crazy. I think so. I wouldn't go out without protection. But sometimes I'm not trying to protect myself from a Bigfoot. I'm trying to protect myself from just like that, a bear. Or I've got a hat band with a 52-inch rattlesnake band (laughs) wrapped around (laughs) it. Nine and a half rattlers that we shot on the trail up there one time. And uh, you don't, you know, it just... There's things that can get you up there, and uh, we know there's no people around where we go, so that that's a good thing, because people can get you in trouble just as bad as anybody else. They can think you're a deer, even though you don't have horns on you, or antlers on you. Oh, yeah. Now, i got to ask you a question, too. I've been dying to ask you this since the last time you were on my show, back two years ago. Were you ever scared? with any of these encounters when you're in your encampment and you heard all these noises, did you ever get a pit in your stomach? Well, yeah, you do at first, but after after a time or two, you, you don't. It's just, like, it's just exciting because you, you, it's very exciting. Um, you you, you got to learn to control your fear. Fear is your only enemy out there. And, and of course, we have that as a protection device, I suppose, in our, wherever we are, but... Uh, if you can control your fear, I think you got a big, you, you got you jumped a big hurdle, and I think that's what we were able to do up there after we realized they weren't going to eat us, they weren't carrying us away, they were trying to, whatever. We don't know if they were studying us. We thought we were studying them, but the more I think about, it, the more they were watching us all the time. And we've tried to get cameras, traps. Or we had those busted a few times. Uh, we never could get a picture, and that's what throws a lot of people. If they were that close, you'd have got a picture. Well, bull. No. Uh, well, get out there and try to get pictures. You know, it's just not that easy. You know what, Ron? When I had this camera on my neck, right? And still up in the Canadian Rockies, where that, well, I'm sure somebody has been up there and found it. I left a bunch of expensive lenses. I had this camera. Do you think I, I took a picture? When I seen that thing and I realized it was not a, a bear, and when I saw it start coming across that creek, and I took off running, I mean, I I didn't, you know, I, I didn't think about taking a picture, to be honest with you. I didn't say, hey, Bigfoot, smile. You know, I, I wanted to get out of there because I didn't want to die. Right. You know, it's not like going for the rice paddies in Vietnam, you know, you see something like this that you don't think exist and then you see it you know it really changes your life now we, our time is running out how about the uh, whistle or the talk to us which one well the whistle is just their whistle interaction they do it through the vocal mechanism they don't do it through their lips like we do uh, that's just interesting but i've got all this stuff on cds and stuff people can listen to uh the talk to us is when i was actually yelling back at him that night this and the samurai cry went on so that's kind of an interesting one i don't know how long it is but but it's uh it, it, we dealt with him for over an hour that night and uh i was having to, really we waited for four years for this to happen and they were starting to interact with us while we we're outside just me and my friend bill we were up there. We'd pack supplies in. The horses were there. Mules were there. And so was the Bigfoot. There was three of them there that night, we believe. And uh, 
So I was yelling out at it, and I think they were trying to ask me something, trying to say something to me. I don't know. The cryptolinguist things would think they slowed their vocalizations down to something that maybe we could understand. I've had people tell me, well, I know what they're saying, but they all tell me something different, so I don't know <laughs> who to believe or what. You know? uh, but it is a language, and they were trying to say something to me. So okay. talk to us. Yeah. Okay, let's play it. That's interesting. It sounded like it was responding to you. It kind of reminded me, you know how a chimpanzee gets excited and makes their yeah, noise? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, there was some things that happened that, uh, also. I, unfortunately, I got this little tape recorder out of my saddlebag and started recording it. Uh, this went on for, like I said, quite a while. But, you know, they were asking me things. I mean, the infection, or infection <laughs> the inflection that you hear through the vocals uh, sounds like a question to me. And I would respond back, uh, trying to mimic them. And I think they thought that was kind of humorous. You know, I don't know what they were thinking, but uh, this, this was a very exciting night. Uh, well, they sure but, sounded exciting. You know, that you were <laughs> t- trying to communicate. How can people find you, Ron? And uh, I know you have some books, and, and do you have a website or any of this stuff you can share to the listeners? Oh, certainly. It's Ron Moorhead, 1-O-M-O-R-E-H-E-A-D.com. And uh, that's my website, and you can get the books as a download or the hard copy, uh, Quantum Bigfoot or Voices of Wilderness. That's my chronicle, The Voices of Wilderness. And it comes with a download link so you can hear the sound that I'm talking about when I get to the context of it. And the Quantum Physics book is my newest one. I'm selling quite a few of those. They're all on Amazon, but you order them through my website. That's the best way to get them, ronmoorhead.com. also have two CDs. One, uh, the first one I produced... Uh, is Al Berry's story. The second one is my story. I narrated. Uh, the first one was narrated by Jonathan Frakes, a Star Trek uh, Next Generation. So they're both about 40 minutes long with integrated uh, sounds inside of them. Those are downloadable on my website, too. Great. Again, go ahead and say the website one more time. Uh, RonMoorhead.com. Well, Ron? Or Bigfoot Sounds. BigfootSounds.com will get you there, too. Okay, great. Hey, I want to thank you so much for coming back on. And, you know, uh, be prepared for a lot of weather changes over where you're at. That's one thing I noticed in North Carolina. One day it was like sunny, real hot. The next day it was cold and and snowing. (laughs) So be prepared for some weird weather. Yeah, I've noticed that just from the month we've been here. It's 38 degrees outside right now, according to my computer here. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're actually two degrees warmer than us. Well, hey, Ron, it's been really good, my friend. Stay out of trouble and keep in touch, will you? Gary, I appreciate you having me on. I really do. You take care, too. We'll get back over there mining camp sometime. You and I go up there, we'll find a big Just don't be afraid. No, thank you. No, thank you. (laughs) Okay, my friend. Take care. Thank you. You too. Okay. Well, hey, James, who do we have for our guest tomorrow? Well, tomorrow night we have two guests, actually. First guest is Brian Fagan. He's going to be on talking about climate change. And then our second guest is Mr. James Goodall. And he's going to be talking about Area 51 and what's going on there today. 
That sounds really, really cool. And we'll see what's going on in Area 51, because some people say that things are still strangely going on at Area 51. Then on Gobble Gobble Day, Turkey Day, we're going to be, you know, off. And on, well, Friday, who do we have? Again, we have two guests. The first guest is going to be Mr. Paul Wallace. Now, he's going to talk about ancient aliens and some of the effects that they had with ancient civilizations. And then the second guest is going to be Miss Kelly Milner-Halls talking about cryptids and all different types of cryptids. So we really stepped up the game and we got some really good shows. You know, Paul Wallace, he was really interesting last time he was on. And I'm wondering if these ETs and stuff like that could have been some of the change in our uh, what how our Bible turned up and turned out. Uh, yeah, matter of fact, um, boy, he's really created a stir with some of the, the theory, well, not just theories, what the evidence points to with the ancient aliens and some of the religions and how they got founded. So, yeah, very good stuff. Oh, yeah, and we got some great guests lined up here for the next couple of months, don't we? Oh, we do. We really do have some uh, great guests. Matter of fact, Tuesday the 30th, last month of November, we have Mr. Ralph Blumenthal on. He is a retired New York Times reporter who reports on a lot of the UAP Tic Tac stuff. Oh, yeah. And then when do we have um, John Lear back on, too? John Lear is going to be coming back, I believe, that is going to be in January uh, somewhere, somewhere uh, January 11th, matter of fact, John Lear will be back on. I got to find out, you know, what happened. I just got to talk about that rental car. They, they shot up with hundreds of holes with the machine gun. I got to find out more about that. Yeah, and, and did they, you know, give them a demerit for not having a full get tank of gas? Well, I don't <laughs> think it would have held gas. I mean, with a fifty caliber machine gun with a rental car that he rented, and brought out there, and then they decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to shoot this whole thing up. They had a helicopter, you know, shooting at it. They fired whatever they did to it, right? And then they take it back to, I'm not going to say the rental car company, but they take it back. And the guy or lady, whoever, with their little, you know, uh, clipboard starts looking at the car, right? Does, ah, we're going to get him for a scratch. Oh, they don't have enough gas. Could you imagine their expression when they see the car looks like Swiss cheese. And, 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 and John Lear says, they said, what happened to it? And John Lear goes, well, this is what happens when you park it in the bad part of town. Yeah, those, th- those things do happen. You know, there's a proof. Oh, yeah. Well, till tomorrow, everybody, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and getting on chat. That was so cool of you guys here tonight. And tomorrow, you know, make sure you tune in because we're going to be on for two hours again tomorrow, two hours on Friday. Well, to then, everybody have a good one. We will catch you on the other side of the Memorex tape. You thirst for some significance.